A presentation of Sports Talk Radio. It's this man. It's the compassion. It's the it's the dignity. It's the wisdom. It's the it's the horse sense of the guy. You know what? This is crap. We're gonna stop this. I can't stand it. Run it again. Huddle up and run it again. We're rolling now. <laughs> I think so. Microphones are on. Marker eight ten go. The Eggies. Merrill for the lead. He's got it. The Jazz. Schools. Also's gonna take it on the quarterback draw. He's to the 30, the 25, makes the move to the 20, 15, 10, 5. He's into the end zone. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. Number four of my best non-sports sports. Wife carrying. I beg your pardon? It's the full court press with Eric Franson and AJ Selvison. Because what you're really saying when you're using all this blabberish is, AJ, you were right and I was wrong. That's what I'm hearing from you. 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson with you here on a Tuesday. No, AJ Salveson. I think he's gone Antonio Brown on us. I don't know. He's. He's gone today again, but we do expect him to be back tomorrow. Maybe he's able to find that Uber ride that uh, Antonio Brown was not able to. But uh, a lot of different things going on today we want to get through. Uh, Jazz are in the news for a couple of different reasons, both good and bad. Um, we had, uh, we've got another game in the Mountain West postponed because of COVID. Uh, but uh, we also wanted to go back. We had this big debate a little while ago about which was the better football season for Utah State University. Was it 2012? Was it 2021? And it may have been another season that we should be strongly considering. Uh, also, we'll look back at uh, uh, an interesting perspective on what's going on with Major League Baseball with their current lockout and the 50th anniversary of Title IX is uh, taking place uh, this year. And uh, really to help out on a lot of this discussion, uh, Ross Peterson, friend of the program. He's been on before. It's uh, been almost a full year since we had you on last, Ross. I think so, yep. That's right. Uh, But uh, thanks for coming down and spending some time with me today. Oh, I'm honored. There's no way I can get as... uh riled up and under your skin as aj does but i'm not even gonna try so i'd like to see you try it might be kind <laughs> no, of fun no uh hey we reminder if you want to weigh in if you want to chime in on the topics today of uh, the guild mortgage text line is open 435-339-0321 and um uh, ross i think first and foremost just some of the big news of the day that's been just breaking today uh this I'll do it in order of when the news was released, because there's three main items that affect the Utah Jazz today. First, Donovan Mitchell, named as the Western Conference Player of the Month. Now, he's done that as a player of the week before, but this is the first time that a Jazz player has been recognized as a player of the month in, like, 11 years. Darren Williams was the last one to do it back in 2010. But during the course of December, the Jazz were 12-2. and two. Donovan averaged 30.2 points a game, five assists per game, and it was 50.2% from the field. Uh, on, from the Eastern Conference, it was Joel Embiid who got recognized as the Eastern Conference Player of the Month. He averaged 29.2 points, 11.2 boards, and 3.9 assists. 
and the Sixers went 8-6 and six over that time period. So nice recognition for Donovan Mitchell. You bet, and I'll take a 12-2 and two over an 8-6. and six. Uh, <laughs> You know, in December, yes. there's still a lot of season ahead of them, but boy, that's quite a month for Donovan, especially kind of the way they started out this year, having some struggles shooting. And it just reminds you that, uh, you know, it's a long season. There's a lot of talent there, and they just keep working at it, and finally the shots start falling. Certainly one of the benefits for the Jazz uh, while they were able to have such success in December is that they were able to stay healthy. Uh, in, in regards to COVID, and now today they have not been able to dodge that. Eventually it has caught up to them. We knew it was going to be inevitable. And uh, just within the last 30 minutes or so, Joe Ingles uh, has been announced that he is entering the COVID protocols and will be missing time for the Utah Jazz. He just played last night. When they were in New Orleans, he played like 26 minutes. Right. He had a substantial role in the game last night. And, uh, you know, the protocols are there. The tests are there. They're being tested almost constantly. And you hope, you know, there aren't lingering effects, and you hope that it doesn't spread. But the history is that uh, other people are going to get it. The, the one thing I don't know, and we were discussing this off the air before we started, is – Jazz are on this like five-game road trip. They're away from Salt Lake City for a while. Does Joe mm. like? Is he? Do they send him home? Is he stuck in the hotel there in New Orleans? <laughs> do they find a private plane to send him home alone? You know, I, I, it's not really clear what they're how Joe is uh, isolating. Do you remember last year when uh, our basketball team was at Fresno and Carl Smith, the trainer, was tested positive there? And so uh, they actually, he had to rent a car and came, drove by himself all the way from Fresno. And then they put him in a camper out uh, by that uh, one motel south of town (laughs) in the trailer park for for his quarantine period. And so uh, I know, I hope they don't do that to Joe, have him. You know, drive home from New Orleans. That's but, a uh, long drive. It's a you know the quarantine things are pretty strict, and so uh, right. I, he can't it, be with the team. So I don't know. Right, there needs to be a certain degree of isolation uh, from the team. Uh, don't know if he has symptoms, if he's feeling sick or anything like that. But these teams do test regularly. The Jazz have been the one NBA team that has not been affected. Um. And uh, it's their first case uh, within their program since uh, Rudy Gobert uh, last, well, spring of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, by comparison, I mean, the the Jazz have been able to dodge this bullet for quite some time. But here's a comparison. Some teams that have been really affected by this and contrast that to the Jazz who have not been affected until today. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. They have 1,110 minutes lost to COVID. Now, when you look at players and how much they normally average per game. So, uh, players who had to miss games because of COVID. That's 1,110 minutes. Philadelphia, 1,135. And Chicago, who's been affected the most, 1,182 minutes lost due to COVID. (laughs) It's nuts. It's nuts. It's good for the kids in the G League. They get an opportunity to come play for a while. Uh, 
But other than that, I don't know how you function. You know, a lot of times they've – some of those teams have been seven, eight players when they uh, – I think the league requires them to have eight, but they're right at that minimum. Yeah, it's – you're right. I mean, there's guys like um, Namish Keta at the Sacramento Kings that uh, don't know when he would have been given an opportunity to come up to the NBA level from uh, where he was at the G League had it not been for COVID. But it gives a lot of these guys time in, in the pros on the big stage that they otherwise may not have been able to do. So, yes, there, there's a bit of a silver lining there for some of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other big news for the Utah Jazz today, Mie Oni uh, has been traded to Oklahoma City. Actually, this happened before the Joe Ingles news. Um, so, wondering if the Jazz regretting pulling the trigger on that trade um, – because now they need an extra body. But Mieoni has been traded to Oklahoma City. Uh, and according to Tony Jones from The Athletic, Mieoni is expected to be waived by the Thunder. Uh, Jazz gave up uh, a 2028 second-round pick. Um, but uh, it does open up multiple roster spots for the Jazz, two roster spots, actually. So how do they fill that? Do they go get a somebody on a ten day contract and keep extending that? Do they go out and use somebody else in a trade to fill some open vacancies? So kind of a question mark for the Jazz and what they're going to do with their roster now. Uh, it was been a lot of rumors floating around uh, Joe Ingles as a potential trade target, but I don't know if that's really sensible that the Jazz are really going to do that. Well, you know, it's really when they're playing this well. And they're right up in the, you know, the top three in the Western Conference with the Suns and the uh, Warriors. You don't want to mess with too much. And what a lot of people are worried about when you you change the direction of who's actually the GM and who's pulling the strings, that sooner or later that person wants to make a move just to kind of justify that, hey, I'm here to do something. That's true. And uh, and if they can't make it better, then, you know, you need to sit tight. But it's hard, if you, uh, especially if COVID starts uh, infecting the team, that you've got to have some people that know the system. And I think Quinn Snyder is such kind of a, a control guy on, on the personnel that it'll be interesting to see what they do. But my guess is they'll bring some of those players that have been on contract for a couple of years up from the G League. Well, so no Joe Ingles, no Oni, and uh, certainly Ingles is much more of a factor and a contributor for the team. So there's a big question is who gets Joe's minutes? And normally I would say Mie Oni would probably be the most likely candidate to take those minutes, but now he's not available. So Jared Butler would probably see more of him, the the rookie out of Butler, uh, out of Baylor, excuse me, um, Elijah Hughes. Uh, do they, because of this, do they go find somebody? Uh, from the Salt Lake City Stars to elevate uh, off of that roster to fill in for stretches at a time here until Joe was able to come back. So. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to watch because this is their first time they've had to deal with it. And it comes with the trade, so there's really a couple open slots maybe, or Joe might turn around and test negative the next test. So it's, it's tough, but uh, you can't go very long because of injury or additional sickness. And it's nice to find people that have had experience. 
looking at the Jazz, certainly they had a nice win last night. They they ended up beating um, New Orleans by a, a healthy double digits, but New Orleans didn't make it easy for them. Got it within single digits late. With uh, I think they got it within six or seven. Jazz eventually pushed the lead up and win by 11. Um, but the Jazz are still trying to figure out this small ball lineup. Rudy Gobert still had to play the most minutes of anybody because when he sits, it's a very different dynamic for Utah. Uh, Rudy Gay has not quite fully been able to embrace that, and uh, Hassan Whiteside was not available last night. But looking at the Jazz and their upcoming schedule, um, they have a really big game coming up tomorrow night on ESPN when they're at Denver. And... Uh, Who's going to be available? Pascal's been out for personal reasons. We don't really know what that is. Uh, Hassan Whiteside's been out because of concussion protocol. Now Joe Ingles is out because of COVID. And Mie Oni has been traded. So this Jazz roster is getting thin. Yeah, and you know, Whiteside's, I think it's been an amazing addition because he came into the league with all kinds of potential. And when he was with Miami, really, really doing well. And then kind of. I don't know what the story is, long-term, big contract, a failure to deliver, and then he's bounced around. But I think his statistics have really been very, very good for the amount of minutes he's played. And I've heard him talk sometimes along the way. I don't know when. I could see him doing it maybe against a team like Philadelphia. But they put him and Gobert in at the same time so that those teams, you know, that come like to – kind of penetrate the lane and get Gobert out of position and then throw it to uh, to their center for a dunk as he's trying to help uh, defend, that Whiteside's presence would stop that. And they'd hope that Gay would, too. But I think there there's some options they've got. Uh, I don't know what you do with an 82-game schedule. You're almost halfway through the season, and there's a lot of teams that really haven't uh, settled into who they are yet. True, Jazz uh, are 37 games through the season already, which sounds crazy to me already. But the mm-hmm. Jazz will not be home again until January 12th when they host Cleveland. So uh, they're at Denver tomorrow, at Toronto on Friday, at Indiana on Saturday. Then they go to Detroit before they come home for a brief stint. And then they go back to Denver again, and then they go to the Lakers. So this is a really, really busy January on the road, um, and if if Joe Ingles is an isolated incident, I think the Jazz survive this okay. But if his contact, he was in contact to others, and it starts to spread throughout the team, this team will be really tested. This is going to be a tough month to have to go through that. Right, and especially when they get a few back-to-backs because, you know, Donovan took a couple games off with the bad back, but they've – They've never let Conley yet play two nights in a row this season. Try to prevent that, yeah. Yeah, and he looked great last night, Conley. 22 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. He's flirting with a triple-double. So, a nice performance by him. Uh, Rudy Gobert, 10 points, 17 boards. Uh, Great uh, job manning the interior and defending a really good Jonas Valanciunas, who had a great night, but I thought Rudy did his best to hold him in check. But... um, just that small ball lineup. The thankfully the Jazz have a bit of a cushion in the standings, so they can continue to experiment with that and play with that until they fine tune it and get it right. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, some three big 
deals, uh, items of note for the Utah Jazz with Donovan Mitchell, Western Conference Player of the Month, first time a Jazz player has received that honor since 2010. Uh, Joe Ingles, uh, first Jazz player put into COVID protocols this season. And then Mie Oni traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And uh, Jazz really have two roster spots now open. And how do they fill those spots? Is this where we start to see Danny Ainge really go to work with uh, Justin Zanuck and the rest of that Utah Jazz front office to start making deals or just sign some uh, fill-in guys until the others kind of get healthy and come back. So those are the big questions for the Utah Jazz. Nice win last night in New Orleans, being able to uh, really come alive, especially Donovan Mitchell. I thought he was fantastic. Um, but um, now the uh, now the COVID bug is facing the Utah Jazz. Uh, and we talked about this last night with COVID and how it's affecting the uh, Mountain West Conference and some of their games being affected, especially the ja- uh, the Utah State Aggies. Well, uh, we just learned today another game is being postponed in the Mountain West. Just uh, before we went on the air, the Mountain West announcing that uh, due to concerns within the Wyoming men's basketball program, their game against Fresno State on Saturday has been postponed. So there are a lot of games being postponed in the, within the Mountain West over the last, just over the last week. And it's going to be really, really hard to make these up. I don't know if they do. They're just going to have to decide which games they do make up and which just don't get, get replayed. Yeah, and the, and the rules that they kind of put in place, there's no penalty for this. You know, they, uh, you know last year they did two at home with the same team, two away with a different team, but... When you get into conference play, and these aren't professionals, they're going to college, they're going to class, more than two games a week is really, really tough to schedule. And especially with the travel. Yeah, the way the Mountain West does yeah. their travel is ridiculous. And so, uh, you know, the the Pac-12 has kind of always a Thursday-Saturday schedule. So, so you've got maybe a Monday to figure some games, but... We have games in our conference Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's really hard to find where two teams that miss a game, you can find a time in the year to put them back together. Yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, I'd be really interested. The thing that stands out to me the most here is will the Mountain West, when they look at rescheduling games or making these up, will they look hardest at what's in the best interest of the top teams in the conference? I mean, they honestly they should. I mean, is it fair? Probably not. <laughs> but is it the right thing to do to give the the top teams the best chance of making the NCAA tournament or the NIT? Yes, it's what you have to do. Should they be making up, going out of their way to make up a game between Air Force and San Jose? Probably not. Should they really go out of their way to make up a game between Utah State and Boise State? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, and a lot of people don't think about that, but. But how your conference is viewed, it's kind of like, you know, the Pac-12 in football. Their bowl record this year diminishes the, the conference. And for our basketball conference to get two teams into the NCAA or three is absolutely fantastic. And so whatever you can do to, I'm not saying necessarily manipulate, but at least be really, really sharp in how you determine who will play who when, uh, that's that's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> yes, yes, not an easy task. 
uh, not an easy task at all. Uh, hey, we're going to take a time out here in the full court press. Uh, Eric Franson with Ross Peterson and joining me. And uh, we'll, we'll get into some history. Ross absolutely knows his history, especially about Utah State athletics. Uh, we'll try to test his knowledge and compare teams of Utah State football over the years. Uh, we we had this debate. Which was the better team this the season that we just had, 2021, uh, 2012, had a great year? Or should there be some teams from even further back that we should strongly be considering? And Ross brings his perspective on that. Love to pick his brain. Uh, we'll also get into baseball. <coughs> Ross is big uh, baseball aficionado. <laughs> And so uh, lockout's going on, and they don't have a lot of time to get it figured out and to get his thoughts on how that's progressing as well. And love to get your thoughts in the meantime on the Guild Mortgage text line, 435-339-0321. For more than a century, S.E. Needham Jewelers has been repairing jewelry and watches in Cash Valley. We do all our work on premises, and you may even talk directly with our expert technicians. We also have today's state-of-the-art equipment, including a laser welder that will repair jewelry with precision. We guarantee our work and offer competitive prices. So whether repairing your precious wedding ring, sizing a ring, or simply changing a watch battery, come to Utah's oldest jewelry store today's newest technology and repair. S.E. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. Cold weather is here. Let the gold medal winner in the best of Northern Utah's fireplace category help you update your home with Napoleon's full line of gas or wood-burning products. Building a new home? Let the professionals at Advanced Fireplace and Stove design and install your fireplace. From traditional to modern, Napoleon has something for every design and every budget. Install a product that will allow your family to make memories for years to come. Stop by at their showroom or visit them at advancedfireplaceandstove.com. Hi, this is Ashley with LSS Insurance. Open enrollment for individual health insurance is November 1st through January 15th. Coverage through the marketplace is still available with more tax credits making it even more affordable. We'll help you navigate the marketplace, understand your plan options, and complete enrollment and save big. Trying it on your own can be frustrating. Let us help. Call 752-9493. There's no cost to work with us. Having a local agent makes all the difference. Call 752-9493. The new year isn't the only thing we're celebrating here at Alpine Home Medical. This year marks our 25th anniversary, and we couldn't be happier to serve you. Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent. If you haven't shopped with us, we'd love for you to make us your one-stop shop for any of your home medical needs. They're always changing, so please don't hesitate to stop by any of our 10 locations throughout Utah and southern Idaho. Or online at alpinehomemedical.com. Cubex Fitness is in the giving spirit with their biggest special ever. For a limited time, become a Cubex member and get your first two months for free. Then pay their lowest price ever, only $15 per month with no contract. You'll also receive the Cubex Nutritional Guide ebook for free, a $30 value. Work out at Cubex with their virtual trainers in complete privacy in their sanitized environment without any concerns or distractions or comparisons. This is your year. Achieve your goals at Cubex Fitness in Logan. $75 cancellation fee at the time of cancellation. Hurry, offer ends soon. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson and special guest Ross Peterson. 
And Ross, I, you you joined us about a year ago here on the Full Court Press, and uh, a lot's transpired since then. Love to get your thoughts about how things have happened since the last time we had you on and why we had you on. <laughs> um, but um, a little background for those who may not know who you are. Longtime professor of history at Utah State and uh, author. And um, you've, uh, you've been connected to athletics for, for quite a while, too. Well, you know, I was here as a student from 1959 to 65, and then came back as a faculty member in 71. So except for a few years down in California when I was president of Deep Springs, I've been here, you know, most of my adult life and been around USU this stretch a half a century. And so, uh, you know, you have a perspective. On the other hand, you have a consistent kind of uh, appreciation for all that university tries to do you know, and especially in a university community. And one of the advantages we have at Utah State, I think, is we all have a sense of ownership with the athletes. Because uh, I think it's a little harder now because you don't have the daily papers as much, but you have so much media attention. And, uh, but, but uh, you know, historically and traditionally, the athletes have been a big part of the community. And so the community becomes a big part of university athletics. And of course now with television, with all the other streamings and stuff like that, it's very competitive to get people in the seats because we're televising so many of our games. But in reality, it's uh, it's a big part of our lives here in Cache Valley. And so to uh, also have the opportunity to have taught many of them so you have a, uh, you know, I mean, I went to school with people like Merlin Olson and Quentin Cook and a few of those people. But but now, years later, to uh, wherever you go, you're running into these people. And the athletes are really amazing at keeping track of each other and keeping track of me. So when I go places, uh, I'll, you know, I think they're... Happy to see that I'm still vertical, <laughs> and uh, and remember them, which is is a stretch. I really have to dig deep into the caverns of the brain sometimes. But it's been an honor and a privilege to be part of it for so long. In the summer of 2020, the athletes, uh, multiple athletes across different sports, came together, and um, there was a, a lot of movement going around the, the country at the time to better understand some of the history and respect for people that made very important uh, you know, aspects of our American history and the fabric of how it's come together, whether it's been everybody's liked it or not. But it's important things to discuss. And they uh, you were really involved with putting a curriculum together and and uh, again, remind us about your role with working with the student athletes and how that came about, because they were very involved with, with the working together with you. It wasn't just the university saying we're going to teach this mm-hmm. class and here you go. It was a. It was a from bo- my understanding, it was kind of a collaborative effort. Right, and and in part it was bottoms up because of some issues that had uh, emerged. You know, the students um, in football and a lot of the sports they hadn't completed their spring sports because of COVID. They hadn't had spring football. They weren't sure which direction the conference or the university was going to go. 
And so as students began to assemble back in the summer like they do to train and get ready for the fall sports, there were things on social media. There were some of the things some of them had posted on social media. And so there began to be some conflicts internally. And Coach Gary Anderson, who had known that I'd taught uh, the history of the civil rights movement and, and had a historical perspective on people that were, came through Logan and the conflicts that may have existed in the past, they had a leadership council with the football team that decided it would be good if they, if they really delved into this as a team or as a group of, the, of uh, student athletes. And so they came to me and asked me if I would sit down with some of these students and talk to them and see what kind of a course we could put together. And then I, uh, after we had finished it, I took it to our department and the, the college and then to the university to make sure that they got credit for it. It's hard to do this in a short time, except the time was such that, you know, that there were ways that you could cut corners and get some approval and also some support. Uh, and then, of course, as, as the fall progressed uh, and what level you put the course, pretty soon the seniors and juniors didn't see, you know, a need to be in a 200-level course as they're trying to graduate. And they didn't know that this was going to be a year that didn't count on their eligibility but there was just an awful lot going on but uh, we ended up doing the course uh, had a lot of great input from the students uh, Marcus Moore the football player who transferred from UCLA already had a degree from UCLA in African-American studies and so it was an interesting experience for me it was kind of like when I was down at Deep Springs because the students down there uh, they pick the courses and then find a professor to teach them. Mm. They, 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 they decide what they want to learn, and that's kind of what we were going through here. And I like the idea. Uh, if you can, you know, get it on the transcript so it counts for credit. Sure. And so consequently, we had a, gr we had a great time, a good, good group of, of uh, young people. It was taught uh, by Zoom. And so I missed really knowing them. Uh, everything we did, uh, there a couple, three times I'd go meet with students. But, but for the most part, uh, and then at the end of it, you know, before I knew the, of course, in the middle of the semester, there was a coaching change. And, uh, and Frank Miley became the interim coach. And then, you know, they had also... Uh, as we were approaching the finals, they were supposed to go to Wyoming and didn't go. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I was in the middle of this because I'm trying to get their final on the week they're supposed to go. And so consequently, I think it was a great practical learning experience for these young people. And I think they, they handled it really, really well. Consequently... Uh, we taught it again this year. I was and just going to ask. Yeah, was I it taught a one it off or is it uh, repeated? I, you know, I, I don't think I'll teach it again because uh, it's. I think it's time for me to get on. If I can't get on a horse, I'm going to ride into the sunset because <laughs> 50 years at one school, I think you're, you know, you become superfluous and kind of a garrulous old grumpy man wandering the halls of old Maine, and it's about time for me to do something else. But anyway. 
yeah, we taught it again this fall as a regular class uh, meeting in person a lot of the time. And, uh, and uh, you know, the evaluation stuff, the students are really, really appreciative because it helps create a perspective, you know, and you, the current atmosphere of wanting to know about, uh, you know, people fearful over critical race theory and it becomes a catchword. But in reality... Uh, you know, for all the years I've taught college, 53 years, in my courses and in the courses that most of us teach, you know, we bring up the effects of slavery. We bring up the effects of Japanese-American relocation. We bring up what it's like to have, at one time in the 1920s, you know, over a million uh, Mexican-Americans removed from the country, you know, for a variety of reasons. And, uh, and that doesn't mean that... Uh, you know that it's that's just what happened mm -hmm. and so it doesn't mean that it's affecting everything forever but it's nice to know that you can have a problem work through it try to solve it and then what the legacy is why that still affects certain things and so uh we you know it's uh i just think you know too many kids now you know are finding things just with their thumbs they don't have the time to read and go through and and I think I think we had a great time. And but at the end, I've asked each student to write an essay on their final year, of the last year of their life, and how COVID and different things have affected them. How uh, Zoom learning compared to, you know, being in class and the different jobs they've held and the different, you know, yo-yo ride they've had during this time. And uh, you know if. Uh, it's one of those things that it really was an education for me to be reminded of how tumultuous this was and and how kids learned to sacrifice and mm. something they hadn't had to do much before, maybe. Many of them lost their last sports of their senior year of high school. Many of them lost their graduations. You know, things that you look back on now and say, well, I'm glad I did that. But at the time, they, don't, they didn't have that chance. Right. And so uh, to get their perspective on it, on what they learned and that, I think was uh, a fantastic experience for me. And I think for them to, to write it, it was. And I made it part of the final exam, but uh, they had to do a few other things as well. But it was still something that uh, I think has shaped how I view the, the, our contemporary world all the time to try to put yourself in the shoes of the students and what they're going through. And, you know, what a, you know, throwing a s stimulus check here or that, what it meant, didn't, you know, they would have rather had a degree of, I know what's going to happen next week. I know if we're going to play or if we're not going to play. I know if we're going to pass COVID or not going to play. You know, it was just a really, really rough, rugged time. Mm. And so when you, you know, when it's still going on and you get your players prepared to, to uh, you know, play San Jose and then play Boise and have two home games during the holidays and all of a sudden you got none. You know, how do you keep them up and things and, uh, and bring the students back here and you're not sure if you're going to have any of the activities. So I hope we soon get through with this, but it's, uh, it's been a great lesson for me, Eric. Thanks.
Uh, it's awesome. Uh, it, very interesting perspective. And that was mostly attended by student-athletes, but not exclusive to student-athletes. That's true. Yeah, one of the things that uh, in, in university process of approval is that, uh, and I got the student-athletes to agree with this, that we had to open it up for anybody that wanted to sign up. Hmm. And so we had uh, that first, this, this last year, it wasn't a problem. I mean, it was primarily what you'd call regular students, not that the athletes aren't regular. But the first year had some very, very super sensitive young ladies. And the other thing that happened, uh, I would bring in, I'd zoom in a lot of our former students. And that's one of the advantages of Zoom. You yeah. didn't have to pay them to come back to Logan. but <laughs> Find them anywhere. But you can find them anywhere and talk about their experiences when they were here. And also, like Michael McCullough, who's the executive vice president of Miami Heat, who played basketball here in the early 80s. When he talked about how the Heat got involved in the community during COVID and the different things with you know, with registering people to vote and all this kind of stuff that was happening in Miami. And then talk to Sharice uh, Bremon Walker, who has a foundation down in the middle of South Central L.A., who played basketball here also uh, as a female basketball player in the early 80s, and see what they're doing and how it's affecting them. And that was a great educational opportunity for those students. So I did that again this year as well. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. You're, yeah, and, and it gave us a great chance to connect. As you say, you're connected, and so it's a great opportunity to make these connections available to others who didn't mm-hmm. have that, that personal connection with some of these others who have who've been able to benefit and leave Utah State and go on and do other really pretty amazing things. Yeah, and, and, and they never dreamed of it when they were young students here. You know, you're just going through a s- series of hurdles to try to get to a goal – it might be to get a degree. It might be to play in the NFL. It might be to satisfy your mother's wishes. But at least uh, then, then the real world hits. And, and the real world has been pretty good to our people. It's helped them a lot. 435-339-0321 if you want to weigh in on our Guild Mortgage text line. Great stuff from uh, Ross Peterson about uh, – last time we had you on, Ross, um, it was in the midst of – there was some emotional stuff going on again on the campus. Um, some tensions that may have been related to religious or even racial overtones. Um, but it looks like that we've moved on. Um, and uh, Blake Anderson was, was brought on and, and has had a phenomenal year uh, this year coming in into a very tough situation with uh, what he was walking into. Quarterback had been dismissed. Coach had been <clears throat> dismissed. The players were they they, they uh, forfeited a game. They didn't want to go play the game because they were upset mm-hmm. with the university president and the athletic director. So Blake Anderson walked into a really tough situation. Yeah, I think it's very it, to me. You know, that whole COVID season was strange and weird, and uh, and you know, I, I thought you know. To Coach Anderson's credit, to to go from that year to eleven and three is really really good. What I what I believe is that there are a lot of really really good ball players here. It was an awkward and tough year for them, and uh, and then to be able under the rules we have now, which are hardly rules, 
about the transfer portal and uh, and you know with a new staff coming in how how well they integrated the student leaders that remained in the program with the new athletes that came into the program in key positions was pretty masterful and uh, and to do that with a different staff some retained that knew a little bit about it but like DJ and Al but for most of the putting them together but to have a spring ball where these transfers could come in and be part of it and and so you get that team context moving pretty quickly and I'm not sure that anybody coming out of spring thought that they'd go 11 and 3 and be able to have pretty much a COVID free season in football before that variant got going again but but I thought it was, uh, you know, a, a pretty spectacular season that with the, ending with those victories over San Diego and Oregon State, a very, very memorable year. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of Coach Anderson, he has been overlooked on a number of Coach of the Year awards, uh, but one that he is still a finalist for is the AFCA FBS Coach of the Year. Uh, people can... Uh, and vote and try to give him a little extra help to potentially win that award. But uh, it's been crazy that uh, he hasn't been a finalist for more considering (laughs) what he was able to do with this team in that shorter round. Yeah, I think some of the things were determined before that bowl game, but I think the bowl game, uh, you know, on ABC and on a prime time would have changed some people's minds because – you know, you thought how easily Oregon State scored that first touchdown. Oh wow, this is this is over. But those uh, they they had an amazing capacity to to show up. I mean, dismiss the Wyoming game, but for the for the uh, for those other so many games late in late in the ball game to hang in there, and then to to save some of their best for last was really great. Uh, so we'll debate, was this the best year for Utah State football? Uh, there's been some other great ones to consider. Um, Ross has a, a longer perspective on this than I do, but we'll we'll debate and love to get your perspectives, your, fo- your thoughts, your votes as well. Coming up here on the Full Court Press. This is James Stevens with White Pine Funeral Services. We often hear people say, I wish I could use White Pine, but I've already paid for arrangements elsewhere. Know that if you've already pre-planned with a different funeral home, you can still call White Pine. If you are being told you'll lose up to 25% of your money, White Pine will provide a discount equal to any fee for switching. If you have any questions, please stop by for a visit or give us a call. We would love to meet you and explain in more detail. White Pine Funeral Services. Cash Valley Bank's newest branch is now open in Preston. I'm Lance Zollinger, and I'm excited to announce Cash Valley Bank is now open inside Stokes Marketplace. If you're an existing customer, you'll love the convenience. If you're not a customer, we'd love to have you open a new account with us, or even talk with us about a loan for your farmer business. Cash Valley Bank, a community bank where decisions are still made locally, now open in Preston. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. Advanced Heating and AC, the gold medal winner in the best of Northern Utah, is teaming up with Carrier Heating and Cooling. 
Carrier provides you with the best furnace units available. And now is the best time to buy a new unit before the weather turns Cash Valley cold. Financing options are available. Turn to the experts at Advanced Heating and AC and Carrier. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning at 752-7272. Stop by at their showroom west of DI. Online, advancedheating-ac.com. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems. Did you know that Valley Office Systems is a local company with Utah ownership and we are debt-free with 47 years of industry experience? Valley remains your safe and smart choice for document solutions and all things office. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. The new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Ross Peterson in as a special guest. Ross Peterson, uh, noted historian at Utah State, professor of history, author, and uh, has been involved with uh, athletics uh, a lot over the years as a fan and just with his positions at Utah State. Uh, this year was a really special year for Utah State. As you mentioned, the way they were able to, uh, to finish – the way it started, there was a few games here or there that got away from them, sure. But um, by a lot of people and by a lot of accounts, you can make a strong argument that this was one of, if not the best season in USU history. Certainly it's um, one that has it accomplished a lot of things that hadn't been done before, beating um, – "Quote unquote Power Five school on the road, and then in the bowl game, um, beating a top twenty-five team on the road, winning a conference championship in the Mountain West. So a lot of things, uh, you know, some new personal records were set this season by some of the players. But uh, there have been some other really good seasons in USU's history. Uh, Two thousand twelve certainly stands out as a great one, where they beat Louisiana Tech to win the WAC. Uh, they won't do a bowl game." Um, but uh, that that team produced a lot of NFL talent. Mm-hmm. But um, Ross, you think there's another season that we should be talking about? <laughs> well, uh, I really do because it's hard to it's hard to to really. There's that line in that movie uh, "Return to Me" about when the old guys are at the bar talking baseball, and you know trying to compare so and so to so and so, and the one old guy says. You can't compare generations. You, can't, you know, there are different generations. And to be sure, I think there was a long period when Utah State was an independent. And that makes it difficult because you don't have any conference championships or any bowl games during that period, even when you were 8-2 and two some years or 7-3. and three. And in those days, there's a difference between playing 10 games and 12. And then, you know, insofar as single-season records and things like that. And I looked really, really closely at uh, some of those independent teams. And then, uh, because you and I talked about this before, and then I looked really closely at the, at the 2012 team and the, the 2018 team, and then the one this year. But, but I landed on... 
I think maybe the best team of all time on national ranking, percentage of people that went to the pros when there were 12 NFL teams, not 32, even though the AFL was started at the same time. And, you know, we can argue about these things forever on speed and quickness and depth. But uh, in part because of my age, I picked the 1961 team. Mm. Uh, they were 9-1-1. One, and one. They were undefeated in the regular season. They lost to Baylor in the Gotham Bowl. Okay. They ended up before that bowl game. Now, we don't know the final ranking of our team this year, but I think we'll, we should jump into the top 25, yes, I would think. I agree with you. And then the, uh, the 18 team, I think, at one time was 14th and ended up being 22nd because they lost a late game to Boise. And then the, uh, the 12 team ended up being 15th or 16th. I can't, yeah. you know, because we won the bowl game in those other two years. So, uh, and then, but anyway, I'll tell you why I like that, that team. The guys went two ways. They went both ways. And so there was only probably a roster of 45 people, and uh, I think 10 of them played in the NFL. Wow. The whole defensive line. Merlin Olson with the Rams. This is in the days before free agency, of course. Clark Miller with the 49ers. Lionel Aldridge with the Packers. And he was also the tight end. And then... Uh, Clyde Brock, a guy from Ogden, who was the biggest, had he played more in Canada than he actually did in the NFL. But, but all four of them, and then, ironically, three quarterbacks played. You know, they all say, well, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Right. Yeah. They had three, and they all played. And uh, Jim Turner, of course. Uh, I think he was a junior and Bill Munson, freshman didn't play in those days, but Bill Munson was a sophomore and Mel Montalbo was a senior. And Montalbo ended up getting a chance in the NFL as a defensive back. Turner became a kicker. Mm. Uh, a straight on. Really? Straight on kicker. And I always do this kind of thing of, uh, you know, you remember the bowl game, I think it was Super Bowl three, where the Jets upset the Colts. And Joe Namath won all the awards and stuff like that. And the score of the finals was 16-7. to And Namath got intercepted a bunch. Jim Turner scored uh, three field goals and an extra point in that game. And then he went out and kicked in Denver forever. And, of course, her, he's in our USU Hall of Fame. But And Bill Munson was a quarterback in the NFL for the Rams, the Lions, and the Seahawks for a long, long time. And uh, and unfortunately died, you know, pretty young. And then, uh, but anyway, you had those three guys plus uh, one of the running backs, a big guy named Doug Mayberry, played for the Vikings. Uh, so they, they all had, a, I mean, on that team, plus you had some other really characters that were very, very good athletes. Ironically, maybe the second best NFL player was also at Utah State at the time, Cornell Green, oh. who never played a down for USU, but played 14 years for the Dallas Cowboys as a defensive back. 
That's true. That's and true. is one of our all-time best basketball players. So he was here at the same time. His brother was playing football at the University of Washington. And then another brother, that very year, 1959, when Cornell came here as a sophomore, uh, was the first African-American to play for the Boston Red Sox, the last team to integrate. Really? And so Cornell wow. Green is, I mean, it's an, it's an amazing story, but I've often wondered what he'd have been doing if he'd have been a wide receiver and a defensive back. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, yeah. there, there are a lot of interesting teams about that, but they were the first in the nation in offense, 17th in defense, and ended up ranked number 10. Wow. So, uh, but on another on another level, you cannot compare the game because uh, all three of those guys threw a bunch of passes, but they played one game in late November against Idaho up here in the old Romney Stadium, where they ended up with Lionel Aldridge and Merlin taking turns carrying the ball. And, you know, they didn't want to run up the score. They ended up winning the game 69 to nothing. Oh, my word. But, uh, and then Idaho never quite got over being embarrassed by having your tackles go and your tight end become running backs. But Lionel took it real seriously. He got major yards as a runner. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, unfortunately, I didn't see that game, but I was on an LDS mission then. But in going back and studying it and talking to the – the you know especially Merlin about it a lot and then when we tried uh, Lionel Aldridge and uh, do you mind if I go off onto a side street here for a minute? Uh, yeah, we got about a minute and a half. Lionel Aldridge was the first person I think I ever experienced that had the concussion syndrome. Oh, really? And it was after he retired. He played for Green Bay for about eight years. Was on the first two Super Bowl teams. And then uh, ended up with the Chargers, went back with his family to Green Bay, got a job in radio and television, and then just started to really act erratically. And in the early 80s, when Chris Pella was the head coach, uh, Lionel's whole life had kind of disintegrated. And so Chris brought him back here to try to help him get, you know, and, and when you could find him... And he was the same age. He was a freshman here when I was here. And so when when he was lucid, it, it, it was wonderful to talk to. He was very articulate, but then, then he'd, he'd just go blank on you. Mm. And, uh, you know, that has become a major, major issue. But when we were putting, when we were having the statue of Merlin prepared, and Merlin picked the, uh, Blair Buswell to do it because Blair does the bus for the National Hall of Fame and he's got a, a, a place down in Orem and he he was here as, a, as an undergraduate uh, and and Blair insisted that we find a 1961 helmet so he wanted to get the helmet right that Merlin's holding in the statue and we finally found one down in LA we brought it up here and waited it weighed like one pound, four ounces. And then we took one of the ones that we're using now, and it weighed almost five pounds. Oh, wow. Now you know why 
Uh, a little better protection. <laughs> well, well, it's better protection, but it becomes an instrument of, you know, targeting. Yeah, that's true. And hey, uh, we got a lot more to get through. I don't mean thanks, to cut I'm you sorry. off. I'm sorry. But we'll get we'll continue this next hour. Stick around a lot more from Ross Peterson, the history of USU football. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. It was a bittersweet night for the Steelers as they beat the Cleveland Browns 27-14, but it was Ben's last game at Heinz Field. The 39-year-old has had a tremendous career in Pittsburgh. He's won two Super Bowls. He ranks eighth all-time in passing touchdowns. Throughout the years, Big Ben has become known for his ability to shed defenders and make plays outside the pocket. If you watched the game last night, you probably noticed that is not the case anymore. Don't let Tom Brady fool you. Father time still affects other quarterbacks, and Roethlisberger is a prime example of that. The once dynamic signal caller has become a game manager these past few years, but Ben's final years in Pittsburgh aren't what we will remember him for. He's won more games in a Steeler jersey than anybody else, and he's been as important to Pittsburgh's success as any player in their storied history. We don't know who will be under center next year for the Steelers, but whoever it is, those are really big shoes to fill. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. You want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. How amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. According to the 2021 Nielsen Report, over 99% of places in the United States that take credit cards take the Discover card. So get used to hearing the word yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Hey, it's me, your dream. What happened, man? We used to be tight. I say it's time we get back together. You and me, your dream, live in the van life in a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. You could start a business or build a log cabin. Whatever you want. It's a Mercedes-Benz van, so it's chock full of innovative safety features. All I'm saying is don't forget about me. I, I mean, I am your lifelong dream. So what do you say? Let's head to the Mercedes-Benz Vans dealership and get... When you buy Napa Auto Parts, you're getting the best. Need a new battery? New wiper blades? When you pull into one of the five locally owned Preston to Providence Napa Auto Parts stores, they'll not only make sure you get the right battery or wiper blades, they'll even help you install it. And if you need other work done, they could even recommend a dozen Napa Auto Care Centers with ASC certified technicians. Napa Auto Parts. Napa know how. Napa know how. It's that first kiss, that moment in time. It's that look in her eye when you get the first sign. We make it personal, you know when it's real. Something for everyone, we know how you feel. Jarrett's Fine Jewelry. Make it special, make it Jarrett's. What's more important than sleep? Granted, some things are, but not many. This is Ryan at My Mattress, and here we offer the best solution to better sleep. A better mattress. IntelliBed, the gel mattress, cradles your hips and shoulders while providing the best back support possible. Or come in and choose a Tempur-Pedic that boasts 93% of their owners love their bed. My Mattress, offering the best sleep possible by the South Wall this hour with Memphis in Cleveland, San Antonio in Toronto, in Indiana at the New York Knicks for the Knicks, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, Jericho Sims will all 
be available. Phoenix Suns coach Monty Williams has cleared the NBA's health and safety protocols. He'll be back on the sideline at 8 Eastern when those Suns play at New Orleans. Baker Mayfield is going to have surgery on the torn labrum in his shoulder, so he will not play in Week 18 against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Tennessee Titans expected to designate Derrick Henry to return to practice from the IR on Wednesday. Henry was placed on the injured reserve on November 1st with a fractured foot that he suffered in Week 8. The Washington football team will announce their new name on February 2nd. I'm Ralph Irvin. Do you know who this is? A presentation of Sports Talk Radio. It's this man. It's the compassion. It's the it's the dignity. It's the wisdom. It's the it's the horse sense of the guy. You know what? This is crap. We're gonna stop this. I can't stand it. Run it again. Huddle up and run it again. We're rolling now. <laughs> I think so. Microphones are on. Marker eight ten go. The Eggies. Merrill for the lead. He's got it. The Jazz. High schools. Also, going to take it on the quarterback draw. He's to the 30, the 25, makes the move to the 20, 15, 10, 5. He's into the end zone. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. Number four of my best non sports sports wife carrying. I beg your pardon? It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and A.J. Selvison. Because what you're really saying when you're using all this blabberish is, A.J., you were right and I was wrong. That's what I'm hearing from you. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and special guest Ross Peterson. You're on the Full Court Press. We're talking a lot about Utah State Athletics history. This has been great. Uh, thankfully, I don't have to pass an exam. I just get to learn. Uh, you're, and I don't, and I don't have later, to grade it. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you want to read my handwriting. Uh, but uh, talk a lot about uh, Utah State football. You know, the best football teams in Aggie history. Uh, was it this past one that we just experienced? Was it the team in 2018 that also won 11 games. Uh, what about uh, the 2012 team that uh, their two losses were by a combined five points? Or do we go further back into the 1960s to find the best team? And I think the fun thing about this this uh, debate, Ross, is that we get to remember some great athletes who did uh, and great people who did some amazing things while they were in Logan. Yeah, I think that's very, very interesting. And the and the interesting thing to me is um, how easy it is to get them back together. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, Chuck Mills was here maybe five or six years. But, but he had uh, – he bridged between the Ralston-Knapp period and then the 1970s. But he – he got uh, he got trained in or got someone to train him in to keep in track of all the players that he'd ever coached, and they developed this kind of uh, fraternity. They call it a brotherhood, the Aggie Brotherhood, and mm. uh, so it's easy to get them together. And they come every homecoming and uh, go to the statue of Merlin Olson. Phil Olson kind of uh, 
manages that gathering and they uh, they pay tribute to all their brothers that have passed. Absolutely. So it, it's very, 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 very nice. Now, so you're making the case for the 1960? 61. 61 uh, USU football team. Not as many players on the roster at the time, not as many games, but they sent a lot. There was a lot of NFL talent on that team, right? And and they went both ways. And uh, you know, Ralston didn't do as much as Tony Knapp did later. He actually had a rotation thing, where a first team would play seven minutes, a second team would play five, and a third team would play two in each quarter of the first half. Oh, really? And that way, he's getting 33 guys on the field because they went both ways. And they didn't... They actually had a rule at the time that you couldn't do massive substitutions. You know, so you could only change in like two guys every play, so you couldn't go offense-defense. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons they did it that way. So that 1961 team... They uh, they went nine one and one. They uh, they played Baylor in the Gotham Bowl. Um, had a great offense, a really stout defense. Uh, their one tie was six six tie to at Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, yep, really significant season. I mean, that was a great year for USU football. Merlin Olson definitely anchored a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Right, he did, and uh, and they. Uh, you know, again, it was one of the last years of the old Skyline Conference. So they, of course, defeated both Utah and BYU to be – they had to tie. Wyoming finished with the same record. Mm. I think six wins and a tie. And then uh, the Gotham Bowl didn't last very long. I mean, in those days, that's the other thing now. You, you didn't have very many bowls, you know, not like we do at all. And that's why during – you know, now all those teams, when we were an independent, uh, we had like, you know, six, seven out of nine years where we were winning, we'd have been in bowls. But we weren't. We never did get in one while we were an independent. Just not the same tie-ins with the conference or just yeah. not even mm-hmm. that many options. Yeah. So um, I, when we had this discussion the other day, uh, I was contending that the 2012 team was better than the 2021 team team uh a couple of the reasons is they were so dominant offensively and defensively uh their losses were still they were in those games they weren't blown out uh this year's team when they had losses they they lost uh but that 2012 team you talked about nfl talent i mean some of these guys didn't stick with rosters but a lot of these guys did but oh yeah nevin lawson will davis jojo natson kerwin williams uh, Nick Vigil, Zach Vigil, Kyler Fackrell, DJT Oliveira, BJ Larson, Taylor Wright even signed as an undrafted free agent. Tyler Larson. I mean, it was a yeah. it was an amazing team that produced. Well, some a lot of them are still playing professional talent. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Connor Williams played in the CFL for, for a long time. Years. Yeah. yeah, and and Nevin Lawson, Tyler Larson, Kyler Fackrell, um, Nick Vigil. There's some of that group still playing. True. I think that, uh, you know, they lost to Wisconsin on a, on a last-second field goal. They lost, I think, 6-3 to, to BYU. It was a field goal game. Right. And, and those were their only losses. And it was, 
at the time they were in the WAC. Yep. And so, uh, you know, they won the conference championship like the team did this year. And that was a major achievement for us this year because uh, at the end of the season and to play that extra game for a conference championship and to play it as well as we did was really significant. The uh, And we don't know yet about the team, the roster this year, how many will play. True. That's and, true. And uh, one of the big differences back in 2012 is you had some JC guys, but for the most part, most of those kids had come as freshmen, and you didn't have a, a transfer portal. You didn't have where people didn't have to sit out if they if they transferred. So you'd find a few JC kids, but but mostly recruit freshmen. It's a, it's a great mix of in-state and out-of-state. All of these teams are, frankly. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> But yeah. you're right, that, that team was uh, that was homegrown from Gary Anderson yeah. and that coaching mm-hmm. staff. Right. Yeah, this year's team, uh, yeah, very different. A lot of these guys who were the standout players did not start their careers at Utah State. Right. And but it shouldn't take away from the success they had on the field. It's not just, at all. It's, because just, a, it's as, just a difference. Yeah, and as I mentioned, you know, sometimes when when people enter the portal – it's an individual decision about themselves. I'm not being respected. I'm not getting the opportunity. I want to go somewhere where I'm the person. I'm the man. And and so the coaches have a tremendous, I think, uh, I mean, it's really a struggle. You just think of the COVID year. Uh, the Shelley kid comes from the University of Utah. And he'd started some games there. Got him into the uh, Pac-12 championship game. Didn't win it, but 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 you know to come and immediately think you're the anointed one, and the other kids have been working with the team for a few years. So when you have Logan Bonner come, and, and originally he and Peasley share some time, but but that's not easy, and it's not easy on the players, and it's certainly not easy on the coaches, because you've got to deal with. Uh, and especially with the quarterbacks, because there's the the prima donna syndrome, <laughs> and so uh, I just think, however they managed that this year, was ended up being brilliantly done. Now, to be sure, no, all of them are not going to be satisfied with their playing time, but you look at it as an ultimate team sport, and that's that's why it was an amazing year. Yeah. Yeah, well, and as we've seen, I mean, Andrew Peasley has entered the transfer portal. He's seen that if he wants an opportunity to play, he would, will need to go somewhere else. And I can't fault him for that. It gives him an opportunity to play where he's mm-hmm. clearly it doesn't yeah. look like he's going to get that yeah. at Utah State. But how it was handled, it, that the Logan Bonner coming from Arkansas State, where Blake Anderson was, it wasn't he wasn't treated as – this is the guy. He mm-hmm. knows my offense. He's my guy. I'm rolling with him. He gave both quarterbacks a really long look and a real legitimate shot that either one of them could have stood out to, to be the one. As, as evidenced mm-hmm. in game one, of their trade and series, he's still giving them a yeah. shot. And game three when Peasley came in at the Air Force and uh, and moved him down and, yeah. and got that victory. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they both offered a lot, and they were different enough that it makes it tough on defenses. 
and then and then you know the way the uh, Cooper came in in that uh, Lega in that final oh. game in the Oregon State game. That was fantastic. You know to have the guts to throw a, a bomb on your first college pass. You know, give me a break. <laughs> that's that's a storybook kind of thing. And amazing. But immediately you're you've got a tie in the game and you're in it after a, a pretty tough first quarter. So. Ross, let me ask you from a historical perspective, and somebody who's watched sports and certainly Utah State for a long time, USU has now had two 11-win seasons in the last, what, three years? Um, four. The last four years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is that Can we expect to have that continue? Or do you think with just the way that the ebbs and flows of college football and Utah State where they are in the pecking order of the football universe that – that's going to be hard to to do again, or at least with that much regularity. Yeah, I think it's really really tough in part because uh, you really in the Mountain West Conference the way they have it divided now you run a two year cycle where you play San Jose, UNLV, and Hawaii, and the other two years you play San Diego State, Fresno State, and Nevada, and it isn't always that way, but you've got often the last three are higher up in the rankings than the other three. And this year, it, it was to our benefit. Next year, it will be to our benefit. But we also, I think, next year, you still have BYU on the schedule. We don't know how long that will last with them going into the, the uh, Big 12. But uh, And I think, we, I think we go to Alabama. Yeah. At the second game of the year. Yeah, it's great so, to open up the season. So you pretty much to get to eleven wins have to get to that conference championship game and then a bowl victory. It's really, really hard on a twelve game schedule. Uh it doesn't mean you can't do it and you've shown yourself you have the talent to fight with, with anybody and you did beat two you know, bowl eligible Pac twelve teams. So I think you have an awful lot going for you, but it's it's tough. It's uh, you know, and as long as we keep playing one of those, you know, one of these days I've always said, you know, Auburn's going to go down, Wisconsin's going to go down. There's some of them we've had at the verge of taking them down, and you know, but somehow I didn't feel that way about Washington State, but we did. You know, that's one of our. They were supposed to play here a year ago in the COVID year, so that's true. So I, th- I think it's just really, really hard. I think again, uh, when the staff, if if the staff's able to stay together, and they'll do some key transfers probably, and uh, you lose some really, really nice players, and then you have to keep the others in the fold, because you have to recruit constantly now the same kids. Yeah. It's 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 hard to maintain it. Not only recruiting to get new players here, but to keep existing ones. Exactly. And then, you know, I've talked to some of the coaches over to, that that aren't familiar with the area, like Coach Anderson's staff, really most of them, except DJ and Al, of course, and Chucky. But, but how you figure missionaries, perspective, what happens, you know, how, how, how you rotate them in in the number game that you're having to play. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if what BYU did with Built Bars and Answer that all the walk-ons get paid for, you know, quote, charitable, charitable show-up work. But the uh, 
I, I don't know how you compete in this new era of the likeness and image thing in in recruiting, but uh, but you know we don't have a stockpile of walk-ons like some of the other schools do, because we're not at that level of, of revenue, and so it it's really taxes I think coaches to keep track of the numbers, how many are out on missions, where do they come back, where do they fit in, uh, will they fit in. Well, you you know you've offered them, they've signed, and and you you both have your honesty and integrity at uh, at risk if you pull a scholarship for someone in this set environment that left. And so, yeah, it's uh, it, I think it's just really hard to re- repeat. But I, but on the other hand, next year's a year you could. Um, this is a, a team that does return a lot of. Uh, special talent. I uh, like what this uh, recruiting class is shaping up to look like. We'll find out more in about a month when the the rest of uh, the recruiting class is finalized and what they do in the transfer portal. Um, but um, but how this coaching staff is is approached this team and put it together and, and moved forward is it's it's hard not to expect that this team could may, maybe not repeat as conference champions. That's always tough to do, but. Surely they should be considered as one of the top teams in the Mountain West, without question. Oh, I think definitely, and uh, and you know, you, you, then you have a target on your back by everybody. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, but on the other hand, I think it helps you get players, and, and I think that ro- that bowl game will help us get players. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, and I don't understand what's what took place in Laramie that all those people left, they go win the bowl game and then they leave. And, yeah, and, that's uh, odd, but hey, yeah. if it benefits Utah State, yeah. great. But I think it would really, really be tough uh, for a college football coach. Just in this current environment? Yeah. With mm-hmm. name, image, likeness, and transfers? Well, and, and then you've also got the COVID year, mm-hmm. you know, that – so you've got a guy like managing what you even yeah, can yeah. fill. Yeah. A guy like Nick Henninger, who's really one of my favorite human beings <laughs> that I've gotten to know very, very well. But you know, he had a year, a mission, two more years at the University of Utah, where, you know, he didn't play as as much or always, but played, and then has had a year here, a COVID year, and then last year. And ends up being the defensive MVP in the, in the bowl game. And it's a great career. And, uh, you know, that we've got some of those other players that are going to be five, six-year players. Yeah, no, that's true. It would be very complicated to yeah. manage. Uh, hey, before we take a, a timeout here in the full court press, just shifting gears uh, a little bit, um, in a different kind of sport, uh, I guess, um, but – Somebody who brought a lot of attention to Cash Valley in a different way, and that's Stan Chekets. Uh, he, uh, for those who may not know, Stan Chekets passed away this past weekend. He was 80 years old, about a month away from turning 81. Um, was a pioneer in uh, thrill rides. He built those towers with bungee jumping in the, like, the mid-90s and then started doing these uh, uh, rides that would launch you up into the air and come back down and put one on top of the stratosphere <laughs> and uh, started to uh, incorporate that into other types of rides and all kinds of patents and very innovative ways that uh, are just 
common now at any amusement park that you go to. And a lot of that was uh, Stan Chekets and what he was able to come up with. And uh, uh, definitely an icon that will be missed. Yeah, it's, it's one of those amazing stories about, uh, you know, living here in Cache Valley and having it be the base for someone who makes rides that people enjoy around the world. Don't ask me why they enjoy them because <laughs> I'm, I'm not one of those thrill not seekers. Not your cup of tea, huh? But nevertheless, to... Uh, put together the creative team here that can design and make them safe and engineer, and it. engineer it and and have them fabricated and tested uh, i just think it's a phenomenal story uh, you know and and you kind of evolve sometimes in business and you know i, th- I think it is a it is a type of sport and then you know the, to be a little bit faster a little more acceleration, a little more thrill. Uh, they mastered it pretty well. Yeah, that's true. And it uh, continues to innovate and come up with new ideas and new ways of doing it. Uh, it's fun to see what um, his legacy is, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 28 different countries. There are rides that uh, he had a hand in that are in 28 different countries around the world. Pretty amazing. Yeah, to, to me again, uh, you know, in, in uh, when I was vice president for advancement, we'd take people out to show them some of the things that are done in the valley, and, and you know, that everybody wonder that we'd have, you know, guests would wonder, well, what what's this got to do? And I said, well, they need engineers, you know, mm. they need uh, humans to test it for them, you know, to see how they react to some of these things. And uh, I just think it's an amazing story that we all share. Yeah. So uh, anyway, there will be a celebration of life uh, for Stan coming up on Thursday. Uh, We have the details on that on cashvalleydaily.com. With that, we will take a timeout. So when we come back, I want to get into uh, Major League Baseball. They're in the midst of a lockout. Um, They haven't been really talking to each other for a couple of weeks they don't really have a whole lot of time left to get this figured out, will they? Uh, what kind of ramifications will this have? And also, 2022 is the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and it will uh, discuss some of the impacts of, of uh, that um, ruling on how that's affected athletics for college and high school. We'll talk about that coming up on the Full Court Press. Are you looking for a job that develops you and your skills? Many employers in Cache Valley offer competitive pay, flexible schedules, 401k, medical, dental, and vision benefits. Fox has that too, but what sets us apart is our incredible culture. We value family and place relationships first. Fox Pest Control is currently hiring for our customer service and inside sales teams at our home office in Logan, Utah. Full and part-time positions are available. Apply online at fox-pest.com slash careers. That's fox-pest.com slash careers. Fox Pest Control. Best job ever. A good dog is more than just a pet. They are family. If your family is looking for a puppy to welcome into your home, visit our website at familypuppies.com. Family Puppies in Preston is an experienced local puppy breeder that specializes in raising happy and healthy puppies that will bring your family joy for years to come. Google Family Puppies Preston to find a pup that will be the perfect fit for your family. Familypuppies.com, where pups are raised to be family. For more than a century, S&M Jewelers has been repairing jewelry and watches in Cash Valley. 
We do all our work on premises, and you may even talk directly with our expert technicians. We also have today's state-of-the-art equipment, including a laser welder that will repair jewelry with precision. We guarantee our work and offer competitive prices. So whether repairing your precious wedding ring, sizing a ring, or simply changing a watch battery, come to Utah's oldest jewelry store today's newest technology and repair. Essie Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. Ascent Aesthetics is a premier aesthetic practice. Doctors Benyon, Blotter, and Robinette of Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat are proud to offer you a professional aesthetics team. The Ascent team is passionate about education, best techniques, products, procedures, and services. If you're looking for help with Botox, fillers, microneedling, laser hair removal, medical-grade facials, or skin care, Ascent will help you feel confident, beautiful, and refreshed. See which Ascent service is right for you and learn more at AscentAesthetics.com. That's AscentAesthetics.com. Sunday on Compass Media Networks. Coverage of the NFL. It's a meaningful regular season finale as the Arizona Cardinals host the Seattle Seahawks. Hi, this is Jeff Biggs. Join Mike Morgan, Chad Brown, and myself for all the action as Kyler Murray and the Cardinals try to catch the Rams for the NFC West title against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. It's the Cardinals and the Seahawks. If it's the NFL, it's right here. Sunday afternoon, beginning at 145 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson and special guest Ross Peterson joining me today. And Ross, you're a big baseball guy. Uh the both the the players association and the owners um, at an impasse, and neither side seems to be very motivated to uh, come together just yet. But we're kind of running out of time, aren't we? It is, you know. And the the uh, cynic in me remembers the times they've screwed it up before, <laughs> and uh, there's been a few of those. And the big one, you know, was 1994 when they lost the last five weeks of the season and the whole postseason when they were having a great year going. And, you know, the players' union in baseball is probably, of the professional sports union, the strongest. It's a very difficult thing because they have so many international players especially Latin American players now, as well as some Japanese and Korean, to get a concept of, uh, of how you bond together when a good share of your membership are making millions. Mm. And what the issues are, and then you're, you're dealing with owners with TV contracts and a variety of other things, and for many of them it isn't necessarily their major business. They have other businesses. For some of them it's literally a tax write-off. But... <clears throat> everybody's making a lot of money unless you're a minor league player. And, uh, and I think some of the things that are, that are on the table from the player's perspective that haven't been addressed is that in part because of the COVID year and in part because of, uh, well, I don't know other way to describe it other than greed. Uh, Major League Baseball made a decision to cut back on a number of minor league teams, cut back on the draft, 
and, uh, and stop giving support to as many farm teams. Hmm. Now, you know, baseball's different than football and basketball, hockey, uh, although they have, you know, the G League and, and different things, and they've tried different football-type leagues. Baseball has had, uh, you know, A, double A, triple A, and before that, all the way down to D. The old Pioneer League used to be a C League. And then it became, you know, rookie, then A, then double A, then triple A. And you're always developing players. And then you've, in part, counted on the colleges to play a role. And then under COVID, it's just like in football, you gave everybody another year of eligibility. You cut the draft from 50 rounds to seven rounds. And a lot of the kids coming out of high school don't have any place to play. And so the game's being hurt in that uh, as developing professional players and paying them while you're developing, you've never been very good. You'd always give a, you know, you know, a, a bonus to a kid when they sign. But then if they went off to A ball, even now – they get paid 1200 a month for five months. That's all, but the team owns them. And, you know, it goes from February to early September if by the time you count spring training in. And then double A's a little more, triple A's a little more. And, uh, and then the living conditions. I know when my son was playing in A-ball, uh, he was assigned by the Twins to Kenosha, Wisconsin, I think there were seven of them living in a two-bedroom apartment above a little bar on a corner in Kenosha. Oh now, Kenosha word. has about four bars on every corner, but <laughs> it was uh, – and there wasn't a bed in the place. They had mattresses. One of them had a car, an old beat-up Bronco, and then another kid had a, a pickup truck, and between those two vehicles – but the kid that was drafted number one in the draft had a brand-new Corvette. Uh -huh. And I think the problem that, you know, I don't know how you control this in a clubhouse or in a professional where someone has a gigantic contract. You know, some of them, some of them 25 to $30 million a year now, and, uh, and maybe more in, in other sports as well. And then you have someone else who's on a rookie contract, and, and, you know, just the tensions, I think, are, are there. But uh, on the other hand, from a perspective of a college professor, they're all doing fine, <laughs> you know. And uh, why don't true. they share it more? And why don't they figure ways to develop and keep people interested in baseball? I mean, they're, they're worried about how long the games are. They're worried about the, you know, some of the things that you could do to shorten up, put it stopwatch on the pitchers between pitches and make any relief pitcher pitch to three players and they even experimented in the minor leagues this year with bigger bases for some reason to think they'd steal more if they only had six inches less to run instead of addressing the whole thing of how much money do you need to run one of these franchises how can you share it and and why do you keep shooting yourself in the foot of getting people down on your sport because you can't solve problems among very wealthy people. 
Yeah, but that's the, the really strange thing with baseball is you see these stories of uh, this player just signed a 10-year, $400 million yeah. contract. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, baseball's doing very well. But then all these other players are like, oh, no, we're – they, the the owners wait really long before they sign these free agents. So you have a lot of guys that are out drifting in the wind, not knowing where they're going to go. Oh, yeah. Where under mm. normal circumstances, they would have been gobbled up already. But it's it's a weird relationship with the owners and the players in Major League Baseball that just – they always seem to screw it up. It's I, I don't know why they can't ever be on the same page. Well, and I think part of it is um, – if you want a sport to succeed and the people to enjoy it and your competition is football, basketball, hockey, which are all a lot faster and they all have a clock. And baseball's unique because it's, you know, it's uh, it's deliberate. It's got a lot of drama within within the game on how you're going to pitch people, you know, how you build the parks, how some of them try to get a home run alley and all those things. But it boils down to a confrontation with a guy that holds the ball and throws the ball and another guy's got a bat. And you got eight other guys trying to defend the guy that's throwing the ball. And and it's just, to me, it's a, it's a most amazing game. But if you want to make it so people still enjoy it, you can't uh, afford to not be playing, and you can't afford to be talking about, uh, you know, millions of dollars being shared in different ways than you like to share them, and a selfishness comes. And, you know, I remember, uh, you know, Kurt Flood uh, when they created free agency. Kurt Fludge was, was the first guy that challenged the uh, reserve clause in, in the Supreme Court. He went all the way to the Supreme Court. He got traded from the Cardinals to the Phillies. He was their center fielder. Cardinals had a great team. They traded him to the Phillies. He didn't want to go to Philadelphia. He had a family. They'd been in St. Louis for over 10 years. And uh, he said, I'm not going. And so he ended up going to court. He went all the way to the Supreme Court and lost in 1971 and uh, and you know he came back and played a little after that but I ran into him once at a card show down in Las Vegas and he was there with Warren Spawn and Johnny Mize we pulled off the freeway when we saw it on the marquee and uh, and went in there and I asked Kurt, Kurt Flood now this was this was 1996 and I said uh, have any of these free agents that are signing these big contracts ever acknowledged your role in this? You know, I mean, it's a sensible role that an owner didn't own a player for life. Sure. And, uh, and you know, now you, you, we've come to learn to live with free agency as much as you want Freddie Freeman to remain an Atlanta Brave for the rest of his life. They haven't signed him. It's a lockout. They can't sign him. Mm-hmm. The longer they go, the more things you find that are different about each other. <laughs> and so but he just laughed and said, I can't repeat what he said, but he said, uh, you know, no one even knows who I am. And uh, 
And, you know, that's sad because this is a guy that put his career on the line for them. Mm. And uh, I just think that that baseball has so much to offer historically as, as an American sport that that has grown up and was the national pastime for so long. But because of the instant uh, gratification we have in our society now, they want things faster, that you know how long it's going to take. Although football kills me with three-minute timeouts, Eric. I mean, seriously. (laughs) When that guy with the red arm comes out on the field and holds up the sign two minutes and 40 seconds, I mean, I just go nuts. And uh, so I can take baseball, you know, uh, but it it saddens me really that they've come to this kind of a lack of an agreement again, and and no one can really – actually explain what the differences are uh quickly a text had come through this is from 2603 on our guild mortgage text line says my issues with baseball are that they treat it still like it was played 70 years ago baseball is great to play and watch live but trying to watch the dog days of summer dot 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 yawn yeah (laughs) yeah that that's the real issue i mean because you have you have so much downtime you know, you like between a football play in college or pros, you know, you've got so many seconds and you got to snap the ball. Yeah. And they've tried to do that in between pitches, but then the pitcher throws it over to hold a runner on first. And, yeah, yeah, it is hard to keep people engaged, especially on TV. Yeah. And and when you're at the at the, the field, there's a lot of other stuff going on and you're watching people and – different things like that and and i agree i mean it's it's uh you know i'm doing i i've been thinking about this too eric because i we have a usu club baseball team you know just like you have all these club teams hockey lacrosse male and female you know uh doing a variety of things but the kids pay to play because there isn't a budget for them Right, it's not an official yeah, sport. Yeah, and, and, you know, we, we as we always do, try to do some fundraising to help help these kids as they as they get pretty good at it. You know, the hockey team goes to a lot of tournaments. Baseball teams won the national tournament twice. But it's hard to get people even to come and watch it here unless you've got a, a, unless you've got a child in the game. Right, a vested interest. Yeah, and... Uh, because what we do is mirror what they do in professional baseball. You know, you have to argue with them. You have to do this. You know, and uh, so yeah, I, I think it's. I think it, that's what makes me upset when they get a lockout because they don't have a lot of wiggle room with the average fan. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Uh, last time there was a significant lockout, it took several years before it came back. Oh and yeah. It, it took the home mm-hmm. run race and then mm-hmm. tainted by steroids, but um, it, it took a little bit. Yeah. To get it back into the American uh, dialogue and and uh, water cooler and, and excitement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, uh, quick time out here in the full court press. But before we break, I uh, just want to let you know that uh, we've had some cold weather. We've got the, the snow that's coming back. But uh, you want to make sure that your car is running right. So take it into Valvoline Instant Oil Change. They're right across from Angie's. They've got Valvoline Synthetic and Valvoline Max Life Oil for your vehicle, and they'll even get you back on the road quickly. So uh, go take go take your vehicle there. They'll take care of you quickly at 695 North Main in Logan. 
This is Teresa with ChemDrive Northern Utah. Daryl and I would like to thank Cash Valley for continuing to let ChemDrive take care of your carpet cleaning needs for the past 43 years. Also for awarding us Best of Northern Utah, Best of Cash Valley, and Reader's Choice. We wish you and yours the happiest and safest holiday season. ChemDrive of Northern Utah. ChemDrive of Northern Utah. 435-752-6100. Cold weather is here. Let the gold medal winner in the Best of Northern Utah's Fireplace category help you update your home with Napoleon's full line of gas or wood-burning products. Building a new home? Let the professionals at Advanced Fireplace and Stove design and install your fireplace. From traditional to modern, Napoleon has something for every design and every budget. Install a product that will allow your family to make memories for years to come. Stop by at their showroom or visit them at advancedfireplaceandstove.com. A good dog is more than just a pet. They are family. If your family is looking for a puppy to welcome into your home, visit our website at familypuppies.com. Family Puppies in Preston is an experienced local puppy breeder that specializes in raising happy and healthy puppies that will bring your family joy for years to come. Google Family Puppies Preston to find a pup that will be the perfect fit for your family. Familypuppies.com, where pups are raised to be family. West Point Dairy Products at Hiram is hiring. West Point Dairy Products has been manufacturing high-quality butter for over 25 years in Cache Valley. They're currently expanding and want you on their growing team. West Point Dairy Products offers competitive wages for entry-level positions starting at $18 per hour, full benefit packages, double time on Sundays, a $2,000 sign-on bonus, and tremendous opportunities for growth. For immediate consideration, call Express Employment Professionals at 435-213-9595. This is Jay with Daryl's Appliance. Let's start the new year right with a huge winter clearance at Daryl's. You know us for our scratch and dent appliances, now save an extra 10% through January 8th. We also have selected appliances marked down to move, plus get 18 months financing on your purchase. And you'll get Daryl's exclusive two-year additional warranty and our famous Daryl's Difference, because service always comes first. Daryl's West on Airport Road, open until 6 p.m. on weekdays, 5 on Saturday. Sunday on Compass Media Networks. Coverage of the NFL. It's a meaningful regular season finale as the Arizona Cardinals host the Seattle Seahawks. Hi, this is Jeff Biggs. Join Mike Morgan, Chad Brown, and myself for all the action as Kyler Murray and the Cardinals try to catch the Rams for the NFC West title against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. It's the Cardinals and the Seahawks. If it's the NFL, it's right here. Sunday afternoon, beginning at 145 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. If you want to weigh in, love to hear from you. 435-339-0321 on our Guild Mortgage text line. A reminder, some big news today. Donovan Mitchell named the Western Conference Player of the Month for December. First time a jazz player has received that recognition since Darren Williams did it back in 2010. Uh, Jazz part ways with Mie Oni. He's traded away to Oklahoma City, and sounds like they plan to cut him, but uh, really it's a salary move for the Jazz. Uh, but then, just hours after that news, Jazz announced that uh, Joe Ingles has been placed in the COVID protocols, the first Jazz player to be hit with that this season after so many teams have been dealing with it for uh, over a month, and uh, now it's affecting the Utah Jazz. Uh, Joe Ingles played 26 minutes just last night 
with the uh, when the Jazz played the New Orleans Pelicans. So Jazz have two uh, open roster spots with the Oni trade. Uh, they use that to, for just use that in ten uh, day contracts. They actually go out and make a trade to bring somebody in. Uh, still to be determined uh, for the Utah Jazz. Uh, but look, this is. Uh, uh, I've got Ross Peterson here joining me today, a special guest. And uh, Ross has been generous with his time and his knowledge uh, about uh, different things over time, how it's affected sports and how it's evolved. And one of the really interesting things that I wasn't aware of this until you showed up today, but this year we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX, which has a huge impact on uh, women's sports. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to, again, look at the perspective locally. Uh, I'm not sure that when the Department of Education included that provision in uh, in their annual, you know, recommendations for budgeting and things like this, that uh, that it would have that far-reaching consequence. It survived all the court battles and is uh, deeply ingrained in our society now. And when I look at all the things that came out of the you know, 60s and 70s that could be considered uh, civil rights type actions or legislation. I mean, we're, we're still fighting over voting rights, to be sure, and what other states are doing here, there. And, and you hear rumors every once in a while about, about some groups of people being upset over Title IX, especially after, you know, the WNBA was so active in the Black Lives Matter during the during the bubble and uh, uh, but on the other hand it has changed the landscape dramatically a lot more than people I remember very very well when it happened and uh, used to have this what was called the American Associations of Women Intercollegiate Athletics it was AAWIA I think I could be wrong and they had national tournaments, and of course we had softball and uh, and volleyball, uh, basketball. Not much yet. Not much track and field yet. Things like that. I'm talking about at the university. But you had nothing at the high school level, mm. uh, especially in Utah, and uh, and gradually it became. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the decade, suddenly. It was there. There was a time when people had to incorporate it. And so you had to find people to staff and coach all of the female sports as well as the male sports. And I don't think anybody was prepared budgetarily. Universities as well. I mean, you know, we had, we had started gymnastics. There were other things. But to get to a level of where you suddenly have to create a balance between your female and uh, male athletes reflect your student body on how many got uh, you know financial aid and then uh, you know they the women athletes now had to comply with a lot of the NCAA regulations and and it uh, and in high school and it is just it's been transformational really for opportunities for so many kids to go to school because of the colleges Oh yeah, and then there was money, money to go, you know. So we have, you know, uh, an awful lot of of soccer players, young women from this valley, that have played all over. That's true, <laughs> you know. And uh, 
and others, are, you know, have been on basketball teams and volleyball. Um, you know, it, it's been really an amazing thing to watch, and and it's just part of our our makeup now. And you you see the new high schools that have been built since. You know, the facilities for dressing rooms, for playing fields, for gymnasiums, and to use everything is. Uh, it's pretty intriguing, and sometimes I wish, uh, you know, uh, some of the places, I think in Texas and Ohio and some of the states, when you had a school district, you know, like they'd build like a 35, 40,000-foot-or-seat football stadium in Texas, and all the schools would play there. You know, right. you might have two games on Friday, two on Saturday. At least share the game facilities because uh, – uh, and the same thing with uh, with a lot of the soccer and different things, but but it is it has been amazing to watch and uh, and we were talking about uh, uh, Tammy Proctor, the department head in history, is doing a course this spring uh, about uh, the history of sport, and uh, she's no longer the department head, but she's she's from Kansas City. She's a great Kansas City fan. She she. Is this an amazing person? But but what you know that context of of what changed in these last fifty years is is pretty amazing because now you get the youth leagues. You've got young girls playing softball all over the place, yeah. uh, and uh, and having a lot of opportunities to play in high school and some on in college. So it you know it has been. A, a really intriguing thing for me to watch. I mean, in its own way, it's it's like Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. I uh, had a text that came through, just from 9315, asking, when did USU get rid of wrestling, and was that because of Title IX? Yeah, the the wrestling decision, I think, if I remember correctly, is was about a 1988, uh, and it was a... It was, I think it was in part Title IX, it was budgetary to be sure, but it was also brought on by the fact that at the same time, the University of Utah, Weber, BYU, and even Idaho State, Boise kept, kept wrestling for a while, but, uh, and again, uh, at the time we were in the Big West, maybe, and it didn't have a wrestling uh, component to it. So you had to wrestle these local teams, and as everybody was going through the same thing, and a lot of it was, I think, related to Title IX and sports, but Utah, Idaho, I mean, these are big wrestling states in high school. But uh, I think Utah Valley has maintained a program now that they yeah. went four years. But for the most part, the best wrestlers head off to the Midwest. And, uh, you know, we had great wrestlers coming here from Iowa, when when we had a program but i th i think in part that was one of the uh you know baseball was dropped here in about 70 71 primarily because of weather and no conference and an inability to get games really uh but but wrestling had a i mean i think other sports too at various times men's gymnastics at some schools were dropped because of try to be in compliance to the regulations that went with Title IX. Hey, uh, great stuff. We do need to take another quick timeout and some final thoughts here with Ross Peterson coming up next here on the Full Court Press.
This is Mark Thurston from White Pine Funeral Services. On behalf of all of us here at White Pine, we want to thank the community of Cache Valley for your support this past year. Thank you for selecting us as a silver winner for the best of Northern Utah. We look forward to many more years of working with you here in our community. We know you have a choice and we hope you will consider White Pine Funeral Services. If you have questions about cremation, funerals, or planning ahead, please contact us or visit whitepinefunerals.com. White Pine Funeral Services. For more than a century, couples have shopped at S.E. Needham Jewelers for their diamond engagement ring. We have the largest selection of exclusive engagement rings in the area. Also, with the use of state-of-the-art technology, we're able to custom-make with precision the ring of your dreams. You'll be able to work with our award-winning jewelry designer, Joseph Needham. You'll also enjoy a vast selection of loose diamonds, allowing you to choose an affordable price range. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7, where Utah gets engaged. S.E. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. Steven, stop dragging your feet. Don't you give me that look. You've had a bad attitude all day. Now look, I know you'd rather be with your friends right now, but this has to be done, and either you start cooperating or I'm going to start taking things away from you. And I think you know what that means, don't you, Steven? Yes, I, I do. All right. Okay. Watch it. Bigger isn't always better. At Castalite, you'll choose from a huge selection of pavers and receive help from experts. You'll see just how easy it is to do it yourself. For brick, block, rock, paver, and tile, go where the pros go. Online at castalite.com. This is Dave Simmons for Les Olson Company. Imagine the other team has an ace in their starting lineup. He's fast, relentless, and his field goal percentage is 73%. What's your team's defensive strategy against a player like that? Well, that player is ransomware. And in 2020, 73% of ransomware attackers succeeded in holding their victims' data hostage. Don't take risks. Take action with the Les Olson Security Suite. Get your free network assessment at lesolson.com. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Uh, we're about out of time, but we do have another question. I think it's a good one to pass along, Ross. Uh, we're talking about wrestling. Will USU ever get men's wrestling again? And I guess in ladies' wrestling, we're seeing girls' wrestling started to uh, really blossom and take off at the high school mm-hmm. level. Could they bring wrestling back if they bring both men's and women's to the collegiate level? Well, I think if they did it for both, but I think part of it would be uh, now, I, you know, I think uh, having uh, a budget, you, you have to come up with that, but you also have to uh, find opposition. So if, if a conference made a decision that we'd like to do this, I think I think you would get it. Uh, the other thing is that uh, you know so much attention is given just because of money on football and basketball, and if you could find a way to to share the revenue some way to be more, you know, people often ask me what what. What was probably your most thrilling moment as an Aggie fan? I'd have to say it was being in attendance when Mark Enyart won the 800 meter at the NCAA finals in 1976. Ah. You know, just out of nowhere, this kid from Vernal wins the national championship and makes the Olympic team. For that moment, you know, I mean, it was a thrill to be in in the stadium and watch Oregon State. It was a thrill to watch Sam Merrill's last shot and things like that. But anyway, I hope some of those things have an opportunity for kids to participate. But 
it's a money issue. And if it's a conference does it, then, you know, a lot of the schools will have to get in line. Interesting thought. And, you know, uh, gymnastics is not in the Mountain West. No. It's a Mountain mm-hmm. Rim gymnastics conference. It's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's some, if something were to come about with other schools in an area and they could create their own conference, it's, eh, potential. There's, there's yeah, you could do something just with the Utah schools if. You know, and there are enough four-year schools now that yeah. on some of those sports you could. Well, Ross, thanks so much for coming down. Always a pleasure. Good to see you. Thanks for the perspective and the, the history uh, lessons about uh, Utah State football, Utah State athletics, and also your uh, your thoughts about the um, uh, Title IX coming up on that big anniversary yeah. coming up later this year. So, Okay, well, thank you, Eric. I appreciate what you do. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night.